I am excited to be on what I believe is going to be the final episode of the mental health series, the second series that I've done in the sermons to myself. Mostly I'm excited because that means I've gotten to a place where I think that God is done, not for good, but for right now, talking me through the changes that I need to make and that I've made with my mental health and in my um, just lifelong journey with mental health. And for me, it's depression and anxiety. I know that there are a lot more types of mental health. I know that there's a lot more that could have been said, even in regards to the Bible and Christianity and God and Jesus with mental health. But I feel like in these sermons that he's given me, I got a really, really good look at not just where I've been in my mental health journey, but where I am and where I'm going in my mental health journey. And so when I was contemplating ending the mental health series with the last episode where we talked about shame, I thought to myself that I didn't want to end with shame because Even in the story of the fall from grace with Adam and Eve, shame is not where their story ends. They didn't end their story with shame. They had a family. They, I mean, and a large family. They literally created the earth. They are the mother and father of the earth. They continue to be blessed by God and continue to operate in love, not just for each other, but for their family and for God. And so I questioned just in my prayer what what is the culminating message when it comes to dealing with mental health and working through mental health what should how should i end it what should be that last message i i get from god and give to myself what do i want to remember When I'm going through my struggle and I have to come back to these messages, what do I what am I going to need to know when I've gotten to a good place? And I've continued to say that I'm I'm able to survive my mental health struggle. I'm able to make it through the way I have because my faith has grown has grown stronger than my depression, my faith has gone str- grown stronger than my anxiety. My faith has grown stronger than my um, just mental battles with myself. My faith in God and his promise to me and his purpose on my life. My faith that he will continue to do everything that he said he would do. My faith that he is not a man and he shall not lie. My faith in that has gotten so strong that it doesn't matter what my world looks like. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank. It doesn't matter which friend is or isn't talking to me. It doesn't matter whether or not I have a job. It doesn't matter whether or not my family supports me. All that matters is I know what God said to me. I know what he wrote in his Bible. 
I know the promise he has for me and the purpose he has for me. So anything else is either working towards that or it's not true. Literally, it's just that my perspective is wrong. My outlook is wrong. So I need to adjust my outlook to match the promise and the purpose that God has on my life. Because if I'm seeing something negatively, but God is allowing me to go through it, that means it's either supposed to grow me or I'm looking at it wrong. And so I have to adjust my sight. Or I have to close my eyes and get some vision from God so that I can so I can lean on to him a little bit more. Maybe I need to get a little bit closer to what it is he's selling me or showing me or putting me through. And when you do that, when when you have, in my experience, when I've had a relationship with God that is just, oh, God, this doesn't feel right. Why am I feeling this? Why, why am I seeing things this way? Why am I understanding it like this? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? When I go to him in all things, I get an answer in all things. And it's not always the answer I like. It's not always an answer I wanted. It's not always an answer I expected, but it is an answer. And it it helps clarify what it is I should be doing and where it is I should be going and how I should be perceiving certain things. And so I thought a little bit more and of course I prayed on it. I prayed on it and it clicked all of a sudden in a conversation with some people and then looking at like I saw something on social media and then I saw a video about something and it all kind of surrounded the same thing. And so then I did a quick Bible search and was like, okay, it's coming together. I see this. And so when you, the way I've gotten out of my mental health, like I said, is through my faith being stronger than my doubt and my faith being stronger than my depression, my faith being stronger than my anxiety. But before I could get this large amount of faith, I had to recognize that I am worthy of the purpose God has given me. And that was hard. That was really hard. That, it took a minute for me It took a minute. I was even, there was a point where I was even on social media saying, I don't deserve all of the mercy that God has shown me. I don't deserve all of the grace. I am not worthy of his love. And those things are true in the sense that unearned, undeserved, unmerited. Like I I can't work for it. I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. It's just The mercy that he is giving me, that's what grace is. It's just him doing abundantly and above for me strictly because he loves me as his child. And then his mercy is. I shouldn't have made it past the first lie because the wages of sin is death, not the wages of some sin is death, the wages of all sin is death. So I shouldn't have made it past the first lie. I shouldn't have made it past the first time I dishonored my mother and father. I shouldn't have made it past the first time I didn't love my neighbor as I loved myself. I shouldn't have made it past the first time I treated someone poorly. But here I am. 
getting a chance over and over again to continue breathing. Every breath is a new chance to continue living a life that follows his purpose. Every every new breath is a chance to live more like Christ and bring more people to Christ. Every breath. And so every breath is mercy because I could have my life ended at every breath. And so when I recognized that, that the grace he was going to give me was infinite, the mercy he was going to show me was everlasting. The love he was going to give me was unattached to any other feeling. It was unconditional, meaning no matter what I did, God would love me. His love is unconditional. And so when I recognize that, if he, the creator of all of earth, will love me no matter what, will love me through all of my flaws, will love me through all of my mistakes, will love me through all of my good times and my bad times. It's unconditional. There's no way, the Bible literally says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not death or life. He will love me no matter what. So, So if he loves me no matter what, who am I not to love myself? If God, who is significantly greater than I am, has more reason than any not to love anyone, but especially me, because he knows everything about me. He knows things about me that I don't know about me, good and bad. So if even he continues to love me, who am I not to love myself? I feel like the way to truly really live with your mental health and live through your mental health and survive and get out of your mental health starts with loving yourself and treating yourself like you deserve to be loved. And I thought to myself, okay, does the Bible actually say anything about that? Does it say anything about the fact that God loves us so strongly And we should continue to love ourselves simply because he hasn't given up on us. So we shouldn't give up on us. And as I was looking, I found a few things. And so there was this first part, right? Why should I love me? Like, even if it, if I, if I can't get past, you know, nothing should separate me from the love of God. Why should I love me? And I came very quickly to Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And that's when someone asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandments in the law? Now, I'm going to start with this person wasn't just asking Jesus because he wanted to know. He was trying to test Jesus because Jesus was telling them the commandments and how to follow them. And he wanted to test Jesus. So he said, because he felt like he knew a lot. So he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So the greatest commandment is to love God. That's easy. That's easy for me. And it's easy for a lot of Christians. And if we're being completely honest with ourselves, 
Most of us don't stop loving God. Even when we leave Christianity, when we leave religion, when we question him, we don't. It's, you could have controlled this situation in a way that didn't hurt me. So it's why don't you love me? Not I don't love you. Most people who believe in God love him unconditionally. So that that first and greatest commandment, we now the with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind, that's a little tricky. But the loving of God is the first part. And I, I believe in my life, in my experience and in my belief, that's the easy part of it. The second, Jesus says, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Meaning, if you don't love your neighbor as you love yourself, you can't follow any of the other commandments. Because you don't lie to people you love. You won't hurt people you love. You won't dishonor people you love. You won't murder people you love. And I know if you read the story and goes even further, it gets to a point where it asks, well, who is your neighbor? And he tells them, everyone, everyone is your neighbor. But in this, I got stuck on the love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Because when you have depression, when you're in your darkest moments... And I I discussed this in the first episode of this series. The issue a lot of times isn't loving the people around you. A lot of times in our darkest moments, the only reason we're still alive is because of the people around us. The only reason we don't take our own lives, the only reason we don't give up on ourselves is because that would affect the people around us. And we love them more than we love ourselves. And so a lot of people think that the hard part of this scripture is the love thy neighbor part of the scripture. And for for a lot of people from I'm not going to say a majority, but for a lot of people, I'm sure that is the hard part, the loving thy neighbor. But for a lot of us who struggle with mental health issues and struggle with depression and struggle with anxiety and struggle with shame and struggle with um, fear and struggle with any of the any of the mental health that make you feel like you are isolated and alone and separated from others, those of us who suffer from that. That, that literal chemical imbalance in our brain, the, the trauma-induced chemical imbalance in our brain sometimes, those of us who struggle with that, it's not an issue of loving other people. It's an issue of loving ourselves. And so I think Jesus was very specific purposefully because, again, God stands outside of time. God knows the beginning and the end. So God knows everything that's happening on earth right now. God knew it was coming. He knew this is the world we were going to live in. Right. And so he knew there would come a time where there would be so many people struggling with loving themselves more than they struggle with loving others. And so he had to make sure Jesus had to make sure that when he said, love thy neighbor, 
He didn't say as he as you love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you look in the Bible, like I'm I I got stuck on that a little bit because I wanted in just my own learning, I wanted to be like, well, sometimes I don't deserve the love. Right? But this takes me back to if God loves me so much that he's willing to sacrifice his son, he's willing to love me through my sins, he's willing to give me unearned, unmerited, undeserved grace and mercy. His love is unconditional and everlasting. If he's able to love me that much, why can't I love myself back? I should love myself at least that, that much. I should love myself unconditionally. Yes, I've made mistakes, but I have to love myself anyway. Because I have to continue doing what's best for myself. Right? And so... If I don't love myself in the right measure, then I can't love my neighbor in the right measure. See, I was so busy thinking, oh, well, I'm doing for others and I'm giving and I'm, I'm sacrificing my time and I'm sacrificing my money and I'm, and I'm sacrificing my physical and mental health to help others because I love others. And God really had to stop me, literally stop me and say... You're not loving you. You're not putting you first. You're not taking care of you. And notice it doesn't say love yourself as you love thy neighbor. It says love thy neighbor as you love yourself, which means you have to love you first. So first love God. And then after loving God, you have to love you. And then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the more you build up yourself, the more you build up your self-worth and your self-care and your self-love, the more you can build up your love for others. But you can only love yourself or you can only love your neighbor at the level of which you love yourself. So if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not putting yourself first, if you're not taking your mental health days, if you're not taking time for yourself to really make sure that you're okay and you're good and you're surviving, if you're not doing those things, you can't possibly be loving the people around you because you can't fill other people's cup from an empty cup. You can't give to people out of your lack. You can only give from what you have. If you don't have it, you can't give it. So if you don't have the energy, you can't give the energy. If you don't have the love, you can't give the love. If you don't have the care, you can't give the care. If you don't have the time, you can't give the time. And so the only way you can love your neighbor, which you have to do, is by loving yourself first. And realistically, the only way you can really love yourself is by loving God. And we know that because... In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17, it says, don't you know, this is for those people who you feel that doubt, you feel that lack of love for yourself, you don't feel worthy. This is the one that really relit that fire under me. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. And when I read that, I thought to myself, that's why that's the two greatest commandments. 
they're so intertwined and interwoven that you can't escape them, right? Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So if the first commandment is to love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, right? But then God's spirit dwells in your midst. That's the midst of your body. Not mist, M-I-S-T, but midst, like in your, in your area, in your space. In your heart, your mind, and soul, they don't take up space. Your body is the only thing that takes up space when it comes to the physical realm, right? Because when he says your heart, he doesn't mean your literal blood-pumping heart. He means with all of your heart, as in... Everything you love has to be put on the back burner behind God. You have to love him more than everything else. He has to be your number one priority. He has to be that number one trigger for your heart. So if I'm loving God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, those are the spiritual elements of me. But God's spirit is in my midst. That's the physical element of me. If I don't love me... That's my body, my mind, my heart, my soul. Then I can't love God. But I can also only love me or my neighbor to the level of which I love me. So what what I what I gathered from this first Corinthians three sixteen through 17. When put in conjunction with Matthew 22, 36 through 40 is. In showing God that I love me and I'm taking care of me, his temple. Not just mentally, but also physically. I'm keeping myself in good health. I'm not killing my body with toxins. I'm not walking around looking any kind of way because I am a physical reputation of the body of Christ. That is what I am. That is what I am as a temple of God. I am a physical reputation of the body of Christ. I am, I am the walking, living, breathing representative of God. And so people should be able to know from looking at me that I am a believer in, in God. And then once they speak to me, they should know by listening to me. Once they get to commune with me, they should know by feeling my spirit and understanding my aura. Like people, a lot of people in religion run away from words like aura and spirituality and and energy. Because they're like, oh, that's that voodoo, but it's not voodoo. Jesus called himself a light. He wasn't walking around glowing, though. What he was saying is. People know I'm God, not just because they know who I, what I look like, but they can feel it in my presence. My aura speaks for itself. My energy speaks for itself. So if I'm not showing that love for me, the temple of God, within whom the spirit of God dwells, then I can't be showing love to him. I'm literally, by disrespecting myself, by not loving myself, by undervaluing myself, I'm disrespecting God. 
I'm not loving God. I'm undervaluing God. And again, I can only love my neighbor to the same extent that I love myself. And then you have the last verse. So once you've gotten that, right? Because God gave me that and I was like, okay, that's a revelation. I appreciate you, Jesus. I needed that for me. This, like, I needed to understand that this morning. Like, I feel like I'm there, but I also needed that reminder. I don't know if I'm the only one who does that. It's like, I feel like I'm in a good place. But this is reminding me that I'm in a good place. This is reminding me not just how I'm in a good place, but why I'm in a good place. Like sometimes I need to be like, why do you feel so good? Why are you smiling? Why are you why are you so happy? Have you ever been asked that by people? Why are you so happy? My response is, I don't know. I'm just a happy person. Well, now I can say because the spirit of God dwells in me. And he loves me so much just in spite of everything that I've done to turn against him and turn away his love and turn away his grace and turn away his mercy. Despite of in spite of all of that, he loves me anyway. And he is the greatest. He is the creator. So if if he loves me anyway. There's no reason for me not to love me. Because obviously it's something there. I may not see it yet. I may not know it. I may not understand what it is. But there is something in me that God says is worth loving. So I'm going to love it. And in reading it, I was like, oh, that something is God's spirit. No, God is not in love with your sin. In fact, he hates your sin. It says that. But his spirit dwells in you because you are his temple and he loves his spirit. So that that thing in you that keeps God loving you unconditionally is him. And so on my worst day, on my darkest day, in my lowest moment, if I can just remember I may not love any parts of me, but I do love God. And that's that one piece that's in there. And I can't let that piece die. I can't take that piece out. I can't kill that piece off. I can't give up on that piece because that piece is I didn't put it there. He did. And he said, if I can't love nothing else about you, I have to love that because I put it there. That's me. I created you in my image and you did everything you can to turn away from my image. But you can't take away my spirit. You can mess up the outside as much as you want. You can sin as much as you want. But you can't touch your spirit. That's a God thing. But once I got there, I got that revelation and I I was understanding that part. I said, okay. That works for me. That's enough for me. But days still get bad, right? What does it look like? What does life look like after you've made the I'm going to love myself unconditionally? What is that? Because it's not all going to be great. It's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows. So. Where am I going? What am I thinking about? What am I doing? When. 
when I get to that low point. And so, of course, I thought, well, the number one thing I remember is it doesn't matter how low I get. I remember a scripture my grandma made me remember when I couldn't have been more than five or six, y'all, for real. When my grandma made me remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who who strengthens me. And I carried that. Boy, I tell you, I carried it, especially as an athlete. Oh, you're short. You're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, you're you're not strong enough to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, you're not smart enough to do X, Y, and Z. You're not you're not brave enough to do X, Y, and Z. You're not you don't have enough money to do X, Y, and Z. I, I held on to that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I took that scripture right, and I started studying Philippians because, and he wrote Philippians from prison to a Christian congregation in Philippi. So he wrote this knowing that he, like he was actually talking to people. And so when I read through it, I was like, well, what, what made him get to the point where he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if you read Philippians three, it's him like he's thanking them from prison. He's like, I've been in prison, but I know that y'all are sending me well wishes. I know that y'all are caring about my struggle. I know that y'all are suffering or trying to y'all y'all feel like y'all are suffering because I'm suffering. I understand that. Then in Philippians 4 and 11, he says, I am not saying this because I am need in need because he thanks him. He thanks them for the gifts. But he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. So all of this time, I was thinking that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13 is this declaration that no matter what I'm going through, if I turn to Jesus, he'll pull me out and I will be successful. And it is. But it's not about physical. It's not about monetary. It's not about success. It's about simply no matter what God puts me in. Whether that be destitution, prison, poverty, or fame, success, money, wealth, abundance, love, prosperity, no matter what it is, negative or positive, I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to handle it because Christ is my strength. I don't have to depend on me. And I thought to myself, okay, that's the ultimate. Because again, this scripture, these scriptures came up today when I was thinking, okay, what does that self-love look like? What does, 
when you've gotten through your mental health struggles and you've made it out, you're on the other side. You realize how blessed you are. You realize how much you should love yourself. You realize how worthy you are of your own love Be- simply because you are wor- because God has chosen to love you. So if he's chosen to love you, you are worthy of your own love. And simply because of that, you were able to pull yourself out, pull yourself together, get to this place. And I said, okay, so what happens when you get there? Well, once you get there, you become, like Paul says, content in any and every situation. Paul wasn't content because he didn't mind being in prison. I'm sure he didn't want to be in prison. Just like he said, I appreciate the gifts, but not because I'm in need, because I don't need them. I don't need your support. I appreciate your support, but I don't need it because I have the strength of Christ in me. And that strength does come from love. It comes from faith. And so I was trying to figure out a way to word Because I've been saying the whole series, what's really helped me through my mental health is that my faith has been stronger than my doubt. My faith has been stronger than my depression. My faith has been stronger than my anxiety. And I was like, I need to find a way to reword that for the people who don't quite understand what faith is. But it's no matter what is going on around me, no matter what my world looks like, I'm going to be good anyway. And Paul said it so eloquently. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No matter what God puts on me, I know that he's not going to put it on me and run off. God will never give me more than I can bear. See, that's another scripture we just keep throwing out there to the world. But realistically, I may. God will never put more on me than I can bear. But I, the human, I, Shelman, may put more on me than I can bear. And in those times, I don't need to know that God would never put more on me than I can bear because I've already done it. I need to know that I can do all things through Christ, which means I have to go with him. He has to be a part of my journey in order for me to say I can do all things because I can't do all things without Christ. I can't do most things without Christ. But with him, I can do all things Because he will give me the strength. So no matter how dark it gets, no matter how lonely it gets, no matter how bleak it seems, I will always be able to survive as long as I continue loving God with my full mind, heart, body and soul. As long as I love myself so that I can love my neighbor. As long as I am surrounding myself in wise counsel and not getting in the way of sinners. Then I will be planted like a tree next to the river, bearing fruit in all seasons, never withering, while everything that I do prospers.